0: Let's go in and let's go in freewheeling (laughs) to three wheeling. Excellent. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Wheeling. I'm Laurel Henning, a Sydney based journalist, and with me is Sasha Kelly, Melbourne based podcast producer, but not of this podcast. And we will be discussing how to navigate, (laughs) that's all on me, how to navigate life in our 30s for a couple of glasses of wine in and what we've been listening to, reading and enjoying watching recently. How did I go? That was completely off the bat. I loved
1: it, Laurel. I loved especially how you made it very clear that I don't produce this podcast in any way.
0: I don't want you to carry that sense of responsibility when you have a plethora of podcasts that you produce to a high standard and then once a fortnight there's my my efforts coming out that you're associated but I love with. it so much because
1: it's just it is a freewheeling three-wheeling chat so that's what we're here for um I'm going to throw you under the bus and say I know for a fact that this week you did do something to build connections with people in your life and I want to hear the long and detailed story oh my god oh you've got the letter okay for everyone who can't see which is everyone because no one else has the visual Laurel did say in the intro we're a couple of wines deep we are spoiler alert um it's a it's, it's, been, a, it's been, been a week
0: a week. It's been a week and Laurel
1: has the letter um which I've heard a little bit of the backstory too but I haven't actually heard what the letter says yet so Laurel I'm going to introduce it a little bit I'm going to set the scene you live on a lovely street in the western suburbs of sydney yeah
0: the inner west of sydney the inner
1: west of sydney hopefully my geography is right and you hear some wonderful jazz music coming from your neighbors and you being the inquiring journalistic mind that you are (laughs) thought i'm gonna introduce myself to my neighbors i'm gonna write a lovely card lovely postcard and just drop it in their letterbox oh look at that it's a very um I'm going to describe it it's vogue it's fashion it's a beautiful woman with a red lipstick and a head scarf on a beautiful like kind of black and white monotone kind of zone it's got color but you know it's that real tonal colors kind of postcard um you dropped it off in their letterbox I dropped it off and what did you write on the postcard
0: oh my gosh should I I'll read it and maybe I'll edit yes, it okay i begin hello neighbors
1: i mean a universal greeting as it ever was i
0: wasn't sure how to begin i've lived at Insert insert address for a few years and one of my favorite things about walking down this road is hearing the music that comes from your home i've been meaning to ask you more about it so here i am please tell me a few of the pieces or artists you're listening to or the music you might be playing yourself because I wasn't sure it was that level and it was only one instrument most of the time and I thought either they're listening to something really particular or they're practicing sometime I can't tell but if it is practicing it's of such a high level anyway then I put a little blank section to the card also well spotted on Vogue because it actually is a Vogue 100 from their oh, um, century it? at the National Portrait <sighs> Gallery they has century exhibition A lovely friend, Emily, bought me a set of note cards from there. Anyway, so I then left a blank section. I said, pop it here and post it back to me at my address. Laurel, smiley face. I added a smiley face. Okay. Throughout yesterday, I got progressively more anxious and I was just like, what have I done? I've either done something really nice and a little bit kooky or weird. (laughs) Thankfully, they thought it was nice. And, and they've written, can I just say, they've written a
1: letter. I can see that it's a full page of writing. And it's musician's handwriting, if I can ever assert my authority knows. in any way.
0: Okay, so here we go. Here is the response letter. If, shall I go? I'll go for the whole thing. Yeah, please do. Hi, Laurel. Nice of you to drop in a card. Thanks for your kind words. Sometimes I wonder if I'm annoying all the neighbours. So, it's great to hear you enjoy the music. You've probably worked out that I'm a professional musician, saxophone. Most of the music I've been playing, learning, recently, is repertoire for various, and then I'm confused, Sasha, 616s? Do you know what that is?
1: Oh, I probably should, and I don't okay. know.
0: 616... Oh, yeah. no. It's gigs, isn't it? Gigs! It's gigs! It's gigs! <laughs> I have I'm to learning write this man's handwriting as we go along. Okay. Six one six. I thought it was a type of track. I love you. Like, is this a chord progression that he? Might I thought be it was like over? EP. My six one six. Okay, for so various gigs that I <laughs> that I've either just done or are upcoming. This is honestly my best letter I think I've ever received. Some original <laughs> projects include my own music. I write for my band Hammerhead, etc etc which I don't know why there's an etc there. So you will have heard me practicing my own music next gig Lazy Bones Wednesday 8th of December. I've definitely already texted a friend by the way to ask if she wants to go. Wonderful. And repertoire for a gig I did last week also at Lazy Bones which included music by Michelle Camillo, Tower of Power, Trombone Shorty. Oh I know Trombone Shorty. <gasps> trombone
1: Shorty. I love Here we trombone, shorty. Go.
0: trombone Shorty. Ronnie Laws. See I've barely read this before I'm reading it now I'm like something brothers ewF be sure to say hi if you see me in the street or coming out of my house thanks again for getting in touch and liking my music all the best and he signs off thank you Jason I just think you I'm thrilled
1: I've not only made your own week you've made his week I hope I have because it's just because I, I I'm I'm not professional and no one pays me to sing or dance or anything anymore but I sometimes sing some Adele covers in my living room and I think does everyone hate me or are they thankful to live next to someone like me and no one's ever dropped a letter under my door so we all know the answer is definitely <laughs> not <laughs> as positive as your neighbor is obviously singing his saxophone all over Macle
0: I I'm just thrilled. Also, no one's going to hate you any more than they hate any other 30 year old woman in the last couple of weeks. And I feel like that leads us nicely on. Onto- Should we get into it? Yeah. Well, no, hold on. Should I ask you what your- I'll ask you what your friend making is first. Have you been making any social connection or are we going gonna- to made no friends? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that's going to top <laughs> have- off my epistolary just- uh, exploration.
1: Um, I started oil painting classes. You did. I just like
0: opened my arms in joy I
1: did I haven't made any friends aside from the friend who comes with me to oil painting classes but we were already friends of time. it is just <laughs> joyous and I cannot recommend enough just going what if I always wanted to yeah. do let me do it and let me be terrible at it yes and just persevere It's so cathartic to just give things a go. I'm so happy for
0: you. I did, I enrolled one of, I wrote a list of things. We've referred to my lists, planning of when I moved to new cities before, when I moved to Sydney. And one of the things was, art class and I did a drawing class when I moved here and it was such a good way not only to socialize when I didn't really know anyone at all when I'd moved here but also to just use I physically felt like I was using a different part of my brain well while, while drawing mm-hmm. um yeah we'd love to return to that so I'm oh I'm thrilled that you're doing that that's great but um I feel like we're both just chomping at the bit to get into what we're listening to and I reckon it's probably going to be the same thing so let's dive on in what are you listening to Sasha well Okay, so I'm going to
1: say that my listening and watching was... There was one item this week. Could it possibly That fit both be? categories. Yes. And I decided to nominate it for my watching category. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to throw you under the bus and say... Completely I'm gonna, squished. I'm going to go ahead with my watching, which is Taylor Swift's short film to All Too Well. Oh. Which... I have listened to it at least three times a day since it was released, uh, which, and I I have just been consuming Taylor Swift paraphernalia in all factions, in all, like, wherever I can get it. I'm just, I'm just like...
0: I just, I can't get enough. I went on the Spotify, I had Spotify open for the Red Taylors version album, and I was like, just out of interest, what does a virally successful album like this, what are the listen figures? And everything's like seven to nine million sort of listens, and then you get to the 10 minute version of All Too Well, and it was 25 million when I checked yesterday. Yeah,
1: well, I think I was about three million of them. (laughs) I literally listened to it on repeat at least 3 times. How do we want to dive into it, Laurel?
0: How? What, okay, is well, this your listening choice? Yeah, it was it was my listening choice and I will say specifically for me the song. Oh, yeah. Let's just let's dive into the album, the event itself. It's a it's a cultural phenomenon. I know we can't get rid of them.
1: That's cross-pollinating across the genres is. of
0: watching and listening. Yes. I was not, I think you've said before that you were a Swifty from the get-go, right? I was not. I think I was made aware of Taylor Swift by a girl on my, the floor of my halls of residence at university who played Love Story on repeat and as well as um, LaRue's Bulletproof. Basically, those were the only two songs she listened to throughout September and October 2008. And you know I wish her well I really do. I really do. But um yeah, so I wasn't really listening to Taylor Swift until The Red album and I feel like The Red album is where I was like, "Oh, okay, I get I get what this is about now." And I don't know whether that was That's... because of the the 22 song and being 22 and making lots of mistakes and doing lots of silly things and and feeling that way and or uh, yeah, I don't know what it was and There is a specific song for me that is not All Too Well on that album that I obsess over. Um, But tell me more about your connection or your feelings about All Too Well, specifically the short film. Let's go into the short film.
1: I Maybe I've told a lie. I am a slow burn Swifty. So I think the Red album was when I first started to take her seriously. I really loved all the singles. But it was 1989 that I bought and had in my car and Mm. I went backwards from that. So I kind of really got obsessed with 1989 and then delved into her back catalog from there the red album I'm, I'm gonna leave the rest of the songs alone on the most part because i think you're gonna talk yeah, about. yeah and this them, is your but, watch
0: this is your watch
1: yeah and the watch and i think all too well i was just fascinated because 10 minute song i mean aside from um american pie and maybe stairway to heaven there's not much that can last past five minutes that you go oh this is a great use of the extra minute of a time couple of dire that songs. i have a son yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that I've assigned this listening um experience to so I think I was fascinated because I think all too well as it stood in the original edit was kind of perfect to be honest and so I thought like how is she going to do something for 10 minutes that's literally just like four or five chords I loved it I love the words I think you have to appreciate that she was 22 when she wrote it because I, I've i been reading a couple of articles about Taylor Swift lately and I'm jumping all over the place tonight, but, you know, that's the vibe we're going with at the moment. But I read... Um, it's been a week. Guys. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, it's been a week. Um, this songwriter who just said... I don't know why Taylor Swift gets so much flack from everyone in the pandemic when everyone else went to ground. She released two albums of 40 songs, all of which are fantastic. And I think that you just extrapolate that, that she's always been like that. She's always been a songwriting machine. And I think Billy Joel even said she's the Lennon and McCartney of our generation. And I think I personally think that her vocals and her piano playing and it isn't as strong um and I say that like with a huge amount of respect because her songwriting is just so good that it doesn't really matter um anyway on the watch look it's overdone it's really cheesy but I loved it Mm. (laughs) um (laughs) I thought I really didn't like the titles that came up with, mm. like in the beginning. Yeah, no. At uh, the, I don't know what it they said because I just went, "Oh, Taylor, like you, you don't need to tell us." Yeah, sort of. It's what just was it, overly like? signposting. The undoing um, and like unraveling, yeah, yeah. the aftermath, that kind of stuff. And I thought, "Oh gosh, Taylor, like just you know, take it back a, a notch." I had a real problem with a little bit in the middle where she goes, you dropped my hand Um, and they had the little speech bubble because I went, I'd dump someone if they wouldn't
0: do the washing up because they were angry that you dropped their hand at dinner but also didn't it feel so yeah you drop someone you you drop you dump someone now at 30 30 something wouldn't you but at 22 when you're having your hand dropped by a guy who's that much older than you in front of all of his friends and all you're looking for sorry am i speaking as if maybe i had this experience or something similar (laughs) i don't know um that also felt really believable to me. Like feeling, dating that person who's that bit older than you, who, yeah, so yeah, I dated someone who was like, yeah, I dated someone who was like eight years older than me when I was 21, 22. Yeah, so very, very similar situation. And I remember when we were together, it felt like as I think this short film really beautifully depicts like you're each other's and of course you are in those first few months of love and like this infamous relationship only lasted a couple of months but you know you are each other's world and especially when you're 22 like that is how you're approaching love it is infatuation more than it is love and I'm sorry if that's incredibly patronizing to a 22 year old but that's how I felt and that was my experience for sure and that person seems so many things and so fascinating and then they get in front of a wider social situation and you suddenly realise how out of your depth you are and how um yeah that sense of feeling alone in a crowd with that person because they're being completely different and I yeah that that feels like a visceral memory for me and um yeah that's why I think it's done really well even though yes of course now you would dump someone if they were like you dropped my hand
1: but I just love the lyrics so much and I really enjoyed seeing it. And, and exp- I really love a, vi- a great film clip. Mm. Like I think there's something so visceral about watching something that you love listening to and just seeing the storytelling played out in visuals as well as the music. I think personally for me it tells... she's just such a master at kind of doing that storytelling of something that you know is bad for you Mm. or you know that isn't right because so much of what she describes in the music and what she painted through the storytelling is like there's red flags there. You know, when there's that scene and she's in the car and he's yelling on the phone and it wasn't everything was fine until it wasn't. You know, there was plenty of signs and I think she's self-aware enough to – point that out through the filmmaking but the she just does that duality so well of like saying but I wasn't ready for it to end or I didn't want it to end Mm. or I didn't want it to fail at the same time as just being so incredibly vulnerable and I just um I just love Taylor Swift I just think she's fantastic and
0: that's all I have to say on it I was just gonna say I think there's something really beautiful as well about how honest she is about something that didn't last very long but profoundly touches you and your memory of it is is deep and I think um it brings me back to something that we said like I think in the first or second episode
1: which I've really thought about which is Dolly Alterton and Carolyn in their Sex in the City podcast yeah. where it's like there's something so incredibly vulnerable about being earnest mm-hmm. and I think That is probably, that's what Taylor Swift gets the most flack for. It's like, oh, she writes about such personal things. You can definitely tell who it is. But there's just something so
0: powerful in the fact that she's so open about it. And we were talking about Adele just a couple of weeks ago, and it's the same thing. She's just writing about her divorce. And what's really interesting is this album is coming out, and as we said, it's an album that was written by a twenty-two-year-old originally. And the, I think that's a really beautiful illustration as well of how differently you approach relationships at those two different ages and the experiences you have. So yeah, so I'll do my watching now. I think, and then we can yes. get, we can we can park Taylor here, and we'll return to her in our listening segment, because my list, I'll just touch on it briefly with with my listening recommendation. I I did it. I went to the cinema and I watched James Bond. I went. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I want to go. So last,
1: is it good? Yes. Last episode, we talked about
0: sort of the event films that had come out and are coming out at a slightly delayed rate in Australia at the moment as we emerge from our various lockdowns. And yes, my first trip to the cinema with my gorgeous friend Erin was to see the new Bond film. And, well, I basically can't tell you anything about it, which is quite frustrating. But I can tell you that I really enjoyed it. And I can tell you that, actually, these points are mainly commandeered from Erin, my friend, I have to say. Because I thought she said some incredibly intelligent and thought-provoking things as we left the cinema. But she was saying you can really tell this has been the writing of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's well and truly present in this movie. And also the way that it is shot, I think, through, again, this is Erin's point, not mine, but she really brought to my attention how it's shot through the female gaze so that Bond doesn't appear in this movie as a sort of predator of women in terms of, you know, he just sort of consumes them. He turns his way through these various female characters. Also the sort of cliched Bond girl character who isn't usually his central love interest but is someone who sort of comes in on the periphery and is probably killed in this film is someone way more capable and cool and and fab Mm. and also I think does a great spoof of a sort of Marilyn Monroe character if you know you know and if anyone's seen it and wants to comment on that point I would love to hear more but I really felt like oh this is this is a 21st century Marilyn Monroe and I really love it but yeah he he has feelings which I feel like I've never never heard before and I think I think Daniel Craig had more dialogue that wasn't just although they were there the sort of pun laden one-liners full of innuendo there was more dialogue of feelings thoughts emotions than I think I've ever heard James Bond say in any film ever and so that's really all i can tell you about the film (laughs) and that's where i'll leave it but i really enjoyed it i was gonna say i think i was
1: listening to chat 10 looks 3 this week and they were talking about bond and apparently they've started releasing all james uh james uh daniel craig's screen tests because obviously this is going to be his last film and um and also like early clips and apparently when he first got the role and he was first on screen and he had to First, say the words, you know, the name's Bond, James Bond. He did that really well. (laughs) And he said that, sorry, now I'm not, um, that his voice kept breaking when he went to deliver the line because he said it's like, you know, all your teenage fantasies and you're standing there and you just go, the name's Bond, James Bond. (laughs) And so there's like at least six takes. Of his voice just cracking, which I just, at the idea of Daniel Craig, like <laughs> losing his cool, is just endlessly
0: entertaining to me. Because he is incredibly cool. Like, even on chat shows, like, he's so composed and just like, yeah, 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 it's just uh, it's me being James Watt.
1: Exactly. And you do think. It, it would be really, really terrifying as an actor to just walk into the scene and deliver that line with any ounce of kind of, I don't know.
0: It's bad enough trying to say I, hello I'm in an do actual it again at the top he... of a podcast, let alone the names. Yeah, I'm not going to do Exactly, exactly. It.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to throw you into the listening because I feel like we already know what yours is. Yes. And I
0: really want to hear your thoughts on the Red Album. Okay. I am really going to focus on one song. And for me, I have returned and returned and obsessively listened to Holy Ground on Red. That's my that's my song of choice, which I feel is like no one else's.
1: I don't know it very well. I know it's very popular, but I've got to say I don't know it
0: very well. I
1: must have listened to it a couple of times, but not more than that.
0: I feel like it falls well behind sort of State of Grace and 22 and yeah and All Too Well especially like in in general popularity but I I don't know why it's it really hit me I think revisiting it more recently I was listening to it when I knew that she was re-recording the album so I'm sorry I wasn't listening to her version when I was listening to it when she was preparing this album um And it really reminded me, I loved it because it gave me this perspective of what it's like, I've already mentioned that sort of infatuation of your early 20s, but what it's like with distance when you look back at those memories of the first stages of a relationship that may not have worked out, but how you can look back through what may have been a really painful time since and remember that in those first moments, it was amazing. And and it was just that lyric of not even not looking down sort of thing. Um, it just, uh, it's just so, it's just that early part of a relationship is just so perfectly drawn. And um, yeah, and it just, yeah, it just makes me think of some things that have been really, really hard to live through. But to be able to look back at them with distance and, and think, oh, but there was good there. And um, and for that, I'm grateful to Holy Grant. <laughs> I yeah, I just think um, I think my neighbors are crying. So I'm sorry. Oh,
1: about that. no, that's OK. Um, I, I also listened to someone today just be like, it's a really eclectic record. And that's forgivable because it's a 22-year-old writing the record. And so when you're 22, you are trying different things. You are kind of thinking like maybe I like heavy metal. like Maybe like I like dubstep. Maybe I like folk. You know, you aren't as... You're, you're encouraged to get out there and try different things. And I also think that, you know, you and I are so lucky. Well, I think this about myself all the time. I go... How incredible to be the same age as Taylor Swift and Adele. Mm. You know, two of the greatest songwriters of our generation. (laughs) And every time they release an album, I go, that's exactly how I feel, Adele. How did you know? It's because every 23-year-old feels that way. I'm not special. I just happen to be born at the same time as a very special person. Um,
0: And yet every time you listen to it, you think this is my experience and mine alone <laughs> and this implies exactly. Yeah, and so that it's so like, much. you know,
1: I think, I, I just think that um, I hope and what I'm starting to, like, you know, I, not to project my own desires onto Taylor Swift, <laughs> but, I sinc- but, but I'm, I'm going to. I sincerely hope she keeps writing for the entirety of her adult mm. life and I can envisage myself as a 50-year-old going to – a gig that only holds like 300 people and i'll Mm. still be there because she'll be writing songs for me at 60 i feel like that she's that kind of artist where it's it's it doesn't matter that she's had her massive stadium tours at 22 Mm. i think she's got a lot in her and you know we all know she's going to be fine financially
0: so i don't mind i'm looking forward to the intimate gigs (laughs) you you mentioned was it billy joel who had said um that she was like the lennon and mccartney of our of our generation but what she actually reminds me of more is dolly parton mm-hmm. and her how prolific she is as a songwriter and i guess also as a female songwriter and coming from country as well yeah and if that's the case then she'll be selling out and, festivals I and huge. stadiums. in there. fact i saw dolly parton at glastonbury <laughs>
1: I'm so jealous for both for the fact that you saw Dolly and the fact that you went to Glastonbury. Um, I'm going to move on to my listening very quickly uh, because I think we've already talked about this artist before, um, but this is kind of a back. I went back and re-listened to this this week and I was looking through my podcast history and I went, oh, gosh, this is a perfect thing. So there's a podcast called Song Exploder and you're holding up your hands I'm going to get his name wrong, but I think it's um, Rishi Keshiwe. It doesn't look like it sounds, which I know is completely unfair because I've heard it so many times on the West Wing Weekly and I really should have nailed it by now, but I haven't. Anyway, what he does is he gets songwriters and composers to come into the studio and they basically just tear their music apart and rebuild it line by line and they talk about all the different elements. And one of my absolute favorite episode is Fleetwood Mac Go Your Own Way. the episode on that. It's just magnificent. Laurel is
0: I haven't heard that episode. so Song Exploder for me is something I've visited occasionally For me, one of my favorite episodes is the Laura Marling episode and there's one with Michael Kiwanuka as well um But I have I'm I should be a subscriber and I'm not so I haven't listened to that one so I'm definitely going to. I, I um, only dip. Oh. Keep going on it because I have I have like a parallel podcast recommendation to do on the back. Okay, of excellent. Because
1: I only dip in every now and then, but Fleetwood Mac is one of my favourite bands and the the depth yeah and the depth of this song and and I, I forgot oh gosh i've just said they're my favorite band and i've completely forgotten the lead guitarist's name who was with stevie, stevie X. nicks lindsey Lindsay, lindsey lindsey buckingham so lindsey buckingham wrote go your own way and he narrates it so he talks about what he was going through and then he talks about how they laid the track down and he talks about negotiating the fact that the bass line is like quite simple for their bassist and how he had to be like, that's what I want. I want it to be this like relentless driving rhythm. I don't want anything complicated. And then he talks about other references at the time with the drum beat that he'd been listening to. And he said, I want exactly that on the drums. And then they do, which I always, sorry. And to go back to Taylor Swift all too well, the last like female chorus parts that come in at the new part, right at like the nine minute mark. And there is something about like harmonizing vocal lines that just undoes me undoes me. Is that a word? But it happens.
0: I say it often.
1: (laughs) It happens in all too well in um, go your own way. They play those in isolation and they do all the layers Ah. of Chrissy and Stevie and Lindsay and all the other backup singers. And oh there is something about hearing tracks in isolation and then right at the end they go right now let's listen to the whole track in full and you've been listening to all the little lines and all the little details and all of a sudden you're just given the full
0: kaleidoscope of emotion and music in one hit so good And it feels like a kaleidoscope, it feels like they've turned up all of your senses to 10 because they've let you listen to all these individual parts. So when you do listen to the song in total, you're listening to it in a way you may have never listened to this piece of music before. Um, No, it's amazing. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Adele about sort of the pain of singing about breakups after you've written the song over and over and over again. Imagine being in a couple oh, in a band. I do not know how they did this. I actually don't. you've broken up and one of your greatest hits of all time is a song where you have to, especially from Stevie Nicks' perspective, you're singing a song where your partner is just really angry with you. And, and especially
1: when you remember that Dreams was her version and go your own way I can remember what her yeah is his version and it's like hers is really peaceful and kind of like you know we're two different souls and and we don't quite work and the good times are good and the bad times are bad and his is just f off (laughs) I never want to talk to you yeah you want to go hook up with other people that's cool like peace out and then to just yeah. deliver that to her and be like now sing it for the rest mm. of your life
0: you know it's just if it's borderline to me that was like borderline abusive yeah. to be honest like i but at least she hopefully made some money yeah. out of it but i uh, oh yeah. but it's Ugh, and it's I don't know. so good i always thought landslide was the song that she'd written but i think that was much earlier on in their relationship and um and in fleetwood Mac's history, mm. but yeah, dreams being the other the other side of it. Mm. Anyway, I could talk about Fleetwood Mac for a whole podcast, to be quite honest. I love that that was your listening. Probably bring them up again. Reading, reading. What's your reading? Yes, absolutely. My reading, I was prompted... Oh, I like this as well. Prompted by a podcast. This is similar to your listening, I feel. Um, prompted by a podcast, I was... So the podcast is the Women's Prize for Fiction has its own podcast, which is just called, I think, the Women's Prize podcast. And the host for this season was interviewing June Sarpong, who's a really well-known British TV presenter, and she's now head of diversity at the BBC, Mm -hmm. I think. And they, sort of in a Desert Island Discs format, they go through sort of the four or five shelfies, they call them, books that have really influenced you in your life, but they're all by female writers. And June Sarpong picked a book that I read a few years ago called Women Who Run With the Wolves, subtitle, and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. So I've hinted at the last few episodes that we're getting a bit woo-woo. This is as woo-woo as I can get, to be honest with you. I welcome it. So as I said, I read... (laughs) I read this a few years ago and it is about, it's not so much about as she uses and retells these ancient stories and tales from um, indigenous communities and ancient communities from around the world and she explores through those, a lot of them are sort of like fairy tales I guess, she explores the, I can only say the words, like the divine power of the feminine, and how powerful that is, and how necessary it is for you as a woman to connect with, with that power within you, and with your instinct, and the damage that you do to yourself and your decisions when you neglect that instinctive power of being wild, um, and how wild your femininity is, and how when you try to conform that it's bad for your instinct so yeah i'm just getting super woo woo but um it's a great book and i think i read it at a point when i was feeling quite angry about quite a lot of things and it really made me dig into that and also own that as an experience i think rather than think i shouldn't ever feel this way
1: i think i need to read this book because
0: i don't think i've ever thought about that before (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it is a book. It's so dog It's on my bookshelf. You can read it when you visit mm. me in a few weeks. Um, and it is one that I think I will never part with, mm. and will just return to. Yep,
1: you've got to have those so, yeah. the
0: special ones on your shelf. What about you, Sasha?
1: I gosh, I have really been in a slump. I have had three books on my shelf. That I've been meaning to open and read for ages and I'm blaming lockdown. Lockdown is over, but I'm blaming 2021 and just saying reading this year was too hard. Blame it. So I'm recommending an article. And again, this article was recommended to me by a podcast, Um, but it's from Vice uh, and it's called The Liking Gap. The Liking Gap is why you always wonder if people secretly hate you and oh that's a painful choice. yeah and I picked it up this week because it's it's quite an interesting um, article um, and I went to my first concert this week or I went to two concerts this week which is the first that I've been to in about six months just because we've been locked down for so long and I and, you know, um, I work in the art. Well, I don't anymore, but I used to work in the arts. And when I go to concerts, there's always people that I know. And there's always this awkward dance of networking.
0: And... Okay, hold on, hold on. I have been to a concert with oh. Sasha. And I would just <laughs> like to say, it's like being... <laughs> I forgot you had I this was- experience. <laughs> <laughs> I was unprepared for walking into a room where basically a bunch of... Can I say, I mean, not disparagingly, but like 60 year olds were all just like, oh, Sasha, 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 Sasha. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> Sasha, for anyone who is in any doubt, Sasha is beloved in the music <laughs> scene, in the concert going scene. Sasha is beloved.
1: Oh, I'm so embarrassed now. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, so this article, and I'm probably going to completely... You're lying um, in certain circles. I'm going to completely... So that that was in my mind was just like the, the, um, the nature of a foyer when you're in a community and you suddenly like you kind of congregate in the same way that I imagine like religious communities like on a Sunday when you go to church and there's like this just familiarity of like the same kind of 200 people Turn up to a lot of the same kind of things. And once you start to get to know people, then you're always going to run into other friends or um, colleagues in those circumstances. And it, and it creates like quite an interesting dynamic. Um, and so then combined with this article that I read, which is essentially just a scientific study and it just outlines it. I will link it in the show notes. But it's that when you're in a conversation, Um, And when you're really engaged in it and you're meeting someone for the first time or you're chatting, you're, Mm. you're um, like conditioned to think this is going really well. This person's amazing. I'm having the greatest time. Oh my gosh, isn't this conversation fantastic? And there's a really interesting scientific kind of, they can't really explain it, but once you leave um, your replaying of the conversation yeah. afterwards makes you convinced that the experience was lesser, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So it yes. explains why, like two days later, you go, I can't believe I said that one sentence. Hannah, I don't know, I'm pulling a name out of my hat. Yeah, Hannah yeah. must think I'm an idiot. I can't believe I said that to Hannah. I wonder what oh. Hannah's thinking about me now.
0: What is Hannah thinking? What is Hannah
1: thinking? The answer is Hannah is probably going, Sasha, Sasha said that amazing thing and I coughed at the wrong moment. Sasha Mm. must think I'm an idiot. So it's actually this really interesting phenomenon where in the moment you're having a great conversation and you're both really engaged and afterwards you'll both second guess each other. And and it's just kind of... um, Anyway, I just read this and I thought it was just... Such a common theme that I've had so many of my friends talk about, especially when it comes to networking, especially when people go, oh, I'm terrible at networking. I hate networking. And and I think it's really because of this awkward lull afterwards, which is if you only see someone once or you only meet them once and then you just walk away from the, the circumstance, there is this awkward moment when you think, is it appropriate for me to get in touch and say hello is it appropriate for me to follow up the conversation you know what what do I do afterwards
0: like the delay after I wrote my letter were they gonna reply and that wasn't even an in-person conversation but the fear was real guys I also wonder whether um what plays into that for me in more networking environments is I end up having sort of verbal diarrhea and I say the most inane stuff that as I'm saying it my brain is going shut up Laurel shut up shut up they don't care and it's just and then you're watching their face thinking no they really don't care why 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 did you say that (laughs) but and then and then also I was wondering whether this is more of a thing post lockdown as well because do you remember when you said that you went to (laughs) I do. You went to the pub and you asked a question that um, you I answered, answered a, a question. question that hadn't been asked. I think
1: asked. I thought someone said, "Are you related?" and I went, "No," and I gave a really long detailed answer about why I wasn't related to this person, and they're like, "Yeah, that's not what I asked." I said, "Do you think it'll rain?" and I went, hmm
0: Oh, that's a very different answer." because I feel like I have definitely sent messages to people since in the initial meetup after lockdown where I've said oh sorry if I talked too much or sorry that I said this or I seemed to go off on this because when I've been on the train home afterwards I've been thinking Flip Laura you really you you can talk a lot and I mean testament to the fact is that we're now just chatting away on a podcast but I can chat and there's nothing wrong with that no I definitely I read this and I thought
1: I don't know whether you feel this way, but there's a couple of moments in my life that really shouldn't hold any space in my brain. Like they really shouldn't mm. be there. But mm-hmm. in my lowest mm-hmm. moments, I'll be like, I can't believe you said that in 2010. And, and you know, it, they're mm. just like, for whatever reason, and I really can't explain why they've hung on, but um, I think there's... M- Is not much worse than saying something really ill-timed in a group conversation and having feeling like everyone suddenly looks at you and goes, why did you say that? And those Mm. are the moments that choose to just hang on the interior of your mind and just, come to the surface I'm having some
0: (laughs) really vivid flashbacks to my teen years while we're while you're saying that and I am torn between sharing and not but I actually don't think that I can so let's let's wrap up I'm purposely not sharing mine so uh I think I I can't I don't think I can it's too raw and I've basically built my entire adult identity on the insecurity of my teenage years so I'm not going to do that
1: well Laurel
0: with all that lovely chat behind
1: us um we do want to say that please get in touch with us. We're threewheelingpod at gmail.com. That sounded a little bit desperate. So I'm not going
0: Please,
1: please
0: get in touch with us. You did say that no, we're really a couple
1: do. of wines deep. So the desperation's oh, yeah. obviously just coming through the microphone at this stage. And we've also got our Instagram where we post our tiles and we link everything that we've recommended. And what's our Instagram handle?
0: It's at threewheelingpod. And I might post my the letter I received in um, on our stories or something maybe maybe as a little
1: a little teaser. I think you absolutely should. And can I also say that if you are enjoying listening to us, can you please send it to a friend or maybe share it in your Instagram feeds because We are small but mighty and Laurel and I are not going to give up. We are committed to podcasting, but we'd love to um, build a little bit of an audience. And I think the best way to build an audience is to have you advocate for us. So please just share it with your friends um or family if that's appropriate <laughs> um and let them know what we're doing because uh we'd love to welcome more people to our little family okay the end
0: <laughs> the end let's go and watch all too well one more, one time. more time
1: i'll see you next time bye, bye.